Hey, Ross. Shelly, I almost felt like maybe we shouldn't do a show this week. Uh, this is this is the weirdest week in my life that I can remember. When I was a kid, you know, the Vietnam War was happening and it was the I was little in the late 60s, but the late 60s were pretty tumultuous. You know, there was Kent State and Attica and there were riots and Martin Luther King Jr. was killed and Bobby Kennedy and of course John Kennedy was killed in the early 60s and uh, I was really little for that, but but this this feels like the world's unraveling in a in a in a weird way. I think unraveling is the right word. And as you look for something to hold on to that you can trust and count on, you and I have talked about how uh, consumers and viewers are all returning to the brands that give us comfort that we grew up with that we yep. know we can count on. Um, that maybe we haven't spent time with in a long time or bought or consumed in a long time. And one of those brands. Yep. Is that why we're on our fake Sesame Streets? I like your fake Sesame Street. It's exactly the same as my fake Sesame Street. So why don't we start the show? All right, we will. I'm Shelley Palmer. I'm Ross Martin. And you're listening and watching Think About This. The more you listen and watch. The less you know. Hey, Ross. Shelly, we're right here where we should be on Sesame Street. The only place I can think of that's safe to go right now with everything that's going on all over this country. Yeah, um, it is a safe space. It's always been a safe space. And it's always been a space that has taken on the hardest problems in our society for the youngest of our society. And, and the put, most vulnerable and put their education, their comfort, and their security first. And so I'm feeling very secure today because we're on Sesame Street and we have a great guest coming who's gonna be able to talk to us about why it's a sunny day on Sesame Street. <laughs> That's right. So, so Samantha Malton, the Chief Marketing Officer of Sesame Workshop, whose job is now more important than ever before, connecting all of the meaningful work that they do in this country and in 150 countries uh, to the kids and the families who need Sesame Street and Sesame Workshop more than ever before. Let's bring her on. So Shelly, we have the, the great pleasure of introducing our friend, uh, an extraordinary marketer. Um, Samantha Malton is the Chief Marketing Officer of Sesame Workshop. I met her back in the day when she was working at Nickelodeon and Viacom. After that, she was a senior executive at A&E, working for Nancy Dubuque, oh, wow. and then was a partner at the artist formerly known as Shearson Associates, <laughs> data science firm that has now become known as Known, where no. I work. Where you um, So without further ado, welcome to Sesame Street virtually. Here we are, Samantha Malton. We're all sitting in the Thank same you. Sesame Street. How are you? We're on the same <laughs> And it's a sunny day. It is. Thank goodness. Sunnier day. I mean, it's so bizarre to be here with you on Sesame Street on Think About This, um, where it is peaceful and it is quiet and this is a safe place. Um, and it looks like my home in Brooklyn, actually. Um, but, but in real life out there in the world, things are anything but um I, I shelly and i have been talking about the possibility of civil unrest for weeks now um on this show 
and finally, unfortunately, it has happened. And now we're a nation in extreme pain where the streets don't really look like this. So it's, um, it's, a, it's an intense episode because of the moment in time that we're having you on. So I just want to acknowledge that. But it's really important, Samantha, that you're here today. Sesame Workshop and Sesame Street, the show, that's a history of dealing with really hard problems in a really good way. And I think you guys had a, a, a preemption this week right on CNN. So I'd love you to talk about what, what that was going to be and how the Sesame Street characters were going to help young people through this and what we can learn from that. And then also how, how you guys are thinking about handling the crisis in general. Yeah, I mean, if there's ever a need for Sesame, it's now. Um, we've had a long history of content that focuses on diversity, mutual respect. It's, it's part of our DNA. Um, I mean, Sesame Street was founded on inclusivity, um, set against the backdrop of the 1960s civil rights movement. We had the first multiracial cast, um, bringing people together from different backgrounds with our furry Muppets. Um, and our founders wanted children from all communities to see themselves um, on the show. The work that we do has never been needed more. Um, but, you know, I think we were, the, the special that you were referring to on CNN uh, was actually postponed because of all that was going on this weekend. And we're hopeful that we can move forward with that on Saturday, but we're actually in discussions with them um, to have a more focused town hall uh, on historical trauma and racism. What do you think is going to happen with respect to people seeing these characters in this kind of trauma? We have, you know, Elmo's Uncle Jack died. I remember when that happened and I remember that was kind of a big deal. And other characters have had really serious life issues before but nothing like this. Yeah, it's, it's very difficult. Um, I think, you know, the Sesame Street Muppets, we feel have the power to help change the world because of their universal appeal. Um, Muppets can deliver messages in a way that no one else can. And each character um, models different behaviors, plants seeds for long-term societal change. Um, and, you know, we, we really do feel that the messages that they deliver can lead to better outcomes for children, for caregivers and families. Um, you know, these are really difficult uh, topics to talk about. And we, we are working with a broad advisory council on how to tackle this, um, but we'll do it with the utmost care in the ways that we've tackled um, other extremely difficult uh, topics. You know, we've had a long history of helping children overcome challenging issues and trauma, uh, whether it was HIV AIDS in South Africa, focusing on girls' education in Afghanistan, um, personal hygiene in developing countries, and our work here at home in Sesame Street and communities focused on parental addiction, autism, um, social isolation, and, and now acceptance. Um, you, you, you cover such a broad range of, as Shelley said earlier, the most difficult topics, foster care, homelessness, disease, uh, as you said, education. Um, it, and, and, and I think 
most people at Shelly also said, only really know that Sesame Workshop is making Sesame Street, but the, the portfolio of activities and the impact domestically and internationally goes far beyond the show itself. So can you talk about some of the programs that you have in place for now decades all around the world that are having an impact in communities that most of us don't really get to hear about very often? Yeah, well, first of all, people know Sesame Street. They actually don't know Sesame Workshop and they don't know that we are the organization behind Sesame Street, that we're a nonprofit organization in need of support and that all of the work that we do um, is in service to our mission to help children everywhere. Um, like you said, we are global. We're reaching kids in over 150 countries and over 40 languages. Um, but even I had no idea the depth and breadth of our work until I got here um, and that we do so much more than just create the show. You know, we're creating educational content to reach the most vulnerable children. It's not just television. It's everything from curriculum, storybooks, lessons. We're working directly with service providers. Um, and then, of course, we're using the power of media to reach children in many cases where they have no access to quality early education. And that can be through television, but also through mobile, WhatsApp, radio, any form of digital. You know, we have to be high tech and low tech wherever, it's whatever children have access to. Um, and, but it's philanthropic funding that allows us to, live, to deliver um, in a much bigger scale. Well, you've gotten some big grants lately, right? I'm, I'm thinking about the Lego work especially, but there are many others. Can you talk about some of them? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, we have had received a landmark $100 million grant from the MacArthur Foundation. Um, we are undertaking the largest early childhood uh, intervention in the history of humanitarian response. Shelly, by the way, Shelly and I were run. this show was the runner up for that one. You guys got it this time. <laughs> we were right there. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Um, no, but we're partnering with IRC uh, and we're trying to reach millions of children affected by the Syrian war. Um, I think, you know, when we talk about trauma, like what greater trauma than displacement? More than 70 million people are displaced worldwide and over half of them are children. And only 3% of global humanitarian aid goes to education. And a fraction of that goes to early childhood learning. Um, so this is critical. Uh, and we can reach, yeah. Go, go, so in, in this environment, it is critical. And you continue to create content. You're doing the CNN show. There's me, there are many other productions that you're, you're actually in the middle of right now. How do you how do, you do this? In, in, in a COVID-19 world, how are you guys still producing content? Yeah, it is incredibly challenging. Um, we're doing this all in remote work environment. Uh, our talent has been incredible to work with. Um, they are so committed personally and professionally um, to creating content for children and families who need it right now. And so, you know, we've been, we've been creating content like Elmo's Playdate, um, which is airing globally, uh, to help kids understand what's happening um, so that they can see our Muppets, our characters, our human talent, um, in the same environment that they're experiencing as well. And then we're actually, you know, we need to, as, as other um, organizations are, we need to look at innovative ways to pivot. You know, we're looking at how do we um, work with recreating 3D, 4D um, renderings of our set? How do we create storylines um, that, you know, can live 
off the street, perhaps. Um, so it, it's difficult, it's challenging, but we're deeply committed to, you know, continuing to get as much content as we possibly can out there. Well, I know, I know you have an outstanding team. What, what, I find, what I find really remarkable is that every year you win Emmys. It's like, that's, that, and you should. And, and it's just like, Shelly, weren't you like a president of Emmys or something? I, I was actually, yeah, but that, it's not really about me. It, so go ahead. Okay, but they kept, <laughs> every year there's like a new batch of Emmys that just, you basically know, they just, but what's remarkable now is Sesame Workshop continues to produce a, a portfolio of content that's much broader and and it is starting to get nominated for Emmys. So there's so much content, award-winning content coming out of the workshop besides Sesame Street itself, right? Yeah, we're really proud about that. I mean, like you said, you know, we, we certainly don't take for granted getting Emmys every year for Sesame Street, um, but we're particularly proud of the Emmys that we just received for non-Sesame Sesame Workshop properties. Helpsters, Ghostwriter, um, which are our properties that just recently launched on Apple TV+. But because to us, that really recognizes the power of our curriculum and our expertise from a Sesame Workshop point of view. So we're particularly proud of those. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I, I find uh, remarkable, Samantha, about Sesame Workshop over the years is that um, it's always found an interesting balance between technology and storytelling. And while you're talking about meeting the kids where they are, one of the most interesting things about Sesame Workshop is that it has been so story driven that you never noticed the tech. And I'm like a tech guy and I still never notice the tech. And every once in a while you're in a toy aisle or you're browsing something online and you go, wow, there's an electronic this or there's a app for that. But it's to me, it's fascinating how the organization has always found a balance between the new, new thing and, and the storytelling behind it. Is that something you're conscious of or is this like cultural? Because I think a lot of companies could learn a great deal from the way Sesame Workshop approaches innovation and the way they've, they have innovated over the years. Yeah. On the show internally, we say Sesame Street approaches every new season as an experiment. Um, so over 50 years, you know, the educational needs have shifted, the viewing habits of kids have evolved, um, and the show has to evolve with it. Whether it's about format, it used to be an hour-long show, and now it's a half hour with four to six main segments, um, or whether we're creating short form, or whether we're literally, you know, shifting how the show uh, is presented, like almost Playdate in a Zoom environment. Um, you know, we need to be there. And now more than ever, I think, you know, in, in this COVID environment, um, we have to pivot even more to, to reach kids and families digitally on social, you know, where they are um, in the way that they need uh, to consume us right now. Um, and, and to see our characters, you know, in those environments. Um, but I think it's, you know, within story and out of story. You are a, a daughter, you're a wife, you are a mother, um, and here you are, you know, on the executive team at Sesame Workshop. Do you feel, you know, as, as we try to find our way through the, the COVID-19 pandemic, 
and the ongoing epidemic of racism in this country, which has now reached a boiling point. Um, do you feel a burden and a, a sense of responsibility? And do your you and your colleagues talk about that? I mean, how do you wake up tomorrow morning and find the strength and the courage and the hope to be Sesame? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, you know, you know my children. Um, I am a mom of two preschoolers, so I am living and breathing this brand at home. Um, but even before I joined Sesame Workshop, you know, I, I have always felt that Sesame has a fundamental responsibility um, to provide education, early childhood education to children around the world. And it is one of the biggest reasons why I joined, why I'm so proud to, to work here. Um, but I can tell you that from the top down, it, it's in everyone's bones. This is what we do. We all feel personally responsible um, for providing education to the most vulnerable communities um, and to addressing you know, the most difficult topics and helping children and families um, understand, cope with, um, and deal with you know, a, a range of topics. Sesame Workshop and Sesame Street are the most apolitical show on television. There, there is just no politics in early childhood education. But we don't live in that world anymore. And I don't expect Sesame Workshop to be taking on red versus blue anytime soon. But with all of the strife coming, is there a strategy that other marketers could learn from the way you are approaching the times we live in. I know you were going to tackle COVID head on, and that requires people to respect other people's distance. And I know you were going to take that. I've seen the you know, pre-press on the show. You're going to take that point of view that, you know, being respectful of one another, which is a total Sesame Workshop, Sesame Street sort of vibe. But we're living in a world that has become very div divided and it's quite complex. What what strategies are you using to stay the course and yet still be meaningful? And what can other marketers learn from the way you guys are treating your North Star? I think inclusivity, as I mentioned, has been part of Sesame Street's foundation from the beginning. Um, and staying true to that and standing for acceptance and um, inclusivity for, for everyone um, is always, you know, has always been, been part of who we are, part of our narrative. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's not, for us, it's not like crafting a new strategy um, to address this. This has been part of our DNA from the beginning. Um, I think what we will work towards now is um, to make sure that we can provide the resources in the best way possible to uh, children and families who need them right now to help families deal with stress, anxiety, um, and, and be able to um, talk about things together in the most impactful way. The world is now really changed. A lot of people's lives are never going to be the same, at least not in the short term. How are you guys looking at that? You know, we have an enormous body of work, free resources that we're putting out all over the world. You know, we know that the most important thing for children to have right now is a sense of security, routines, and an engagement with a caring adult. Um, 
And we want to make sure that we can provide those resources. Um, but I think, you know, from, from the beginning of COVID uh, and as we move through, I think, you know, first we were focused on safety, health, and hygiene. Elmo had a very catchy, washy, wash your hands song, personal favorite in my household. Um, and then we focused on helping families cope with stress, anxiety, um, and that they weren't going to be able to see their friends and family. And now as time goes on, we need to provide more activities for parents and children, tools for resiliency. How are we getting through the summer? Things are different. Um, what happens when we return to school in the fall or not? How do we maintain executive functioning skills? Um, Self-regulation, these are all really, really critical and we're committed to that body of work. Um, in addition to taking on these new advisories uh, and, and the content that we'll be developing immediately. So powerful and so grateful to you, Samantha, for joining us on the show. And um, thank you on behalf of uh, Shelly, but also our whole audience and like kind of everybody in the world for everything that you're doing. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so grateful that Samantha Malton, Chief Marketing Officer of Sesame Workshop, would um, give us the time today, come on our show, we're not in Sesame Street anymore. And the reality of the world we're actually living in in 2020 continues to unravel and seems to get worse by the hour. For people who are in pain, for people who are marginalized, for people who uh, feel like they're not being heard, this is the language of despair and it's the language of anger and it's the language of hopelessness. and you'd have to be crazy not to understand it. We've been, we've been cooped up for months now against our will. It's nobody's fault. It's the virus, but we've been cooped up for months. A person I was talking to just the other day said to me, Hey, it's a way to meet people. I'm like, what? And he was dead serious. He's like, oh, I've been inside for two months. I'd love to go out on the street and walk around and see people. I'm like, you understand what this is about? He goes, Oh yeah, yeah that's not where my th head is. I'm like, okay, so this isn't even one consistent thing. This is pent up, pent up everything. That's it's right. Pent and up as, everything. That's right. And as the light goes down on another day and the heat continues to go up and the pressure continues to increase, we have um, so much to learn about one another. We have so many uh, people, as you said, in pain, um, hurt, um, victimized, and we have so much to learn. The only way you can learn about someone else is to listen when they speak. You can't be formulating what you're going to say next. You can't be espousing your own world view. You can't just talk about, well, so-and-so did that. Therefore, I'm like, no. When people are in the kind of pain that is being demonstrated right now, you have to shut up and listen. You can't just talk about what it is. Well, I, you don't understand. If you understood, we wouldn't be where we are. Our society is in a place that it is because everyone's busy shouting at each other and not enough people are busy listening to one another. And if there was ever a time, ever a time for you to, to understand someone else's point of view, someone else's pain, someone else's life story, 
that isn't yours, it's now. Shelly, I think that's a powerful note to end on. I, I just want to express um, our love um, and our support for all those who are in pain, who are hurting, who are um, victims, and who are struggling to create a path forward for all of us. Um, we stand with you. Um, we kneel with you. Yes, we, we do. We listen to you uh, and we need to support you. I hope our listeners and our viewers will think about that and do something about that. You've been listening to Think About This with Shelley Palmer and Ross Martin. You can subscribe to the audio podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeart, or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. You can find our video episodes at thinkaboutthis.tv. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at thinkaboutthis, and you can learn more about us on the web at thinkaboutthis.fm. Thanks so much for listening. If you think you know less than you did before, just wait until our next episode. 